Welcome to the Run for PRs podcast. This is your host, Victoria Phillippe. The Run for PRs podcast was created to give away the secrets to transform your training to reach your goals. We ask all the expert run coaches and athletes the questions that you've been dying to know the answers to. We will get the inside scoop on what really makes you the best athlete that you can be. Have you ever seen a fast runner and wonder, wow, how did they get so fast? Well, then this podcast is for you. We are going to do a deep dive to reveal the secrets to reaching your potential as a runner. We often focus on the workouts and all of the stress of training. Athletes often want to do more work and work harder. But did you know that it's a two-sided equation? Stress plus rest equals growth. We need to have that rest portion in order to become better over the long run. When we have a training plan that focuses way too much on the stress and not enough rest, what we often see as coaches is injury, burnout, and even stagnation. You know, you might not see this come right away, so it's often confusing for runners to wonder why is this happening now when I've been training this way for a couple of months and seeing improvements. Sometimes it just takes time for it to catch up with your body. Today, we will be chatting about how to add more rest to your training and when it's important to add these rest periods and what they will look like. Um, So I have with me today, Jason Phillippe, who is the head cross country coach at the University of Wisconsin River Falls. And he is here to chat about that rest and recovery portion of training. Um, And this is even super important at the college level, um, just to give some insight for people who maybe don't know, what does it look like at the college level for these athletes, you know, who are competing at the high level running, you know, the sub sixes for you know, an 8K and what does recovery look like for them and how do you enforce that as a coach? So at the college level, we have our practices Monday through Friday and a lot of times our meets are usually um, Saturdays. They're occasionally on a Friday during track season. Um, By law, we have to provide one rest day or I guess one day where we're not practicing. So that's usually Sundays at the collegiate level. Um, And then depending on the program, you know, coaches may prescribe that day, uh, rest day, complete rest day for, for student athletes. Um, for athletes who have been, you know, they're training at a higher volume, they sometimes will train seven days a week, um, and we may schedule a rest day every third or fourth week. It just depends on that individual athlete. Um, but as far as um, during the week, you know, we typically are going to have probably three days where it's just easy mileage. And, you know, those runs may vary depending on the athlete, anywhere from three to eight miles to Um, so those are going to be considered, uh, recovery days, but they're not a complete rest day. Right. Yeah. That's really good to hear that even at the college level, you know, a lot of these kids have been running for, you know, at least, you know, five years and they're at that age where your body can really take, um, a lot of mileage, you know, being younger, being healthy, all of those things. And I think of, you know, a college athlete, I think, okay, like they're going to be able to take the the brunt of a lot of work and really be able to push themselves um, just with the youth and everything that they have. But they're still taking um, rest days and rest periods. And, you know, I think that just speaks a lot to how important it is. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of athletes will get caught in the trap of, I just got to keep working harder. And, you know, they also sometimes think that rest doesn't apply to them. Um, have you ever met someone like an athlete who thinks, 
yeah, that's great. Like these are cool concepts um, for other people, but not for me. Um, you know, I've been pretty fortunate. Most kids that I have coached are pretty receptive to taking that occasional rest day. Um, it's, you know, I'm thinking about my athletes right now through run for PRs. And I would say there's only probably one or two athletes that are training, you know, about 21 days in a row without a rest day. So most of my athletes were scheduling that rest day on every third week, um, at the, you know, at the most, but I would say most athletes are probably taking one rest day a week. That's pretty average. So it really just depends on, you know, the experience and the number of years that you have in training. Uh, I've never really encountered an athlete where, you know, they're too bullheaded to, to, you know, realize that they really need to take a rest day. Um, only those people that are on run streaks are really the ones who are going to want to, you know, run every single day. Yeah. As you know, I've been coaching for quite a while and I feel like I've just coached like more volume of people. I've definitely ran across, um, athletes who are hesitant to take a rest day or just outright refusing to take a rest day. Um, I know sometimes when people get sick and they, they tell me they're sick, I'm like, don't run. And then, you know, you see them running and yeah, it, that's always a tricky, um, a tricky line. Cause your body can handle it. Like your body, you can physically do the thing. Like you can physically go out on a run, but I always ask like, how is that benefiting you in any way? And so as coaches, it's our job to really say, okay, we want to do what's most beneficial for you in the short term and the long term. Like there's literally no benefit to running, you know, if you're sick. Um, and I think for a lot of people, it's hard to, to talk about rest and it's hard to take that rest day. Um, especially because I think it gives people like a sense of control to just be able to Mm -hmm. do their training. And sometimes, you know, when you get sick or when something happens to like lose that, um, can be hard for some people. And yeah, like I know how you mentioned running streaks, which is a big topic, I think within itself with this whole rest day thing. Um, how do you, like, have you ever coached someone with a run streak or how do you like approach run streaks with people and what, as a coach, like what's your expertise saying, um, to you about run streaks? Well, the more consistently you're running and if you have a consecutive run streak going, let's say it's a year or whatever, you know, your body's learning how to basically adapt and recover, even if you're not feeling your greatest. And I'm, I'm assuming most of those people are only going to do one mile just to keep their streak going if they're sick. So, um, kind of getting back to the conversation about being sick, I think that, I always look for like how many symptoms does an athlete have? Because if it's just one, then it's probably not the end of the world if we're, you know, trying to squeeze an easy run in. But if an athlete has like more than one um, symptom, so let's say they have a sore throat and a headache or they're, they have stuffy nose plus the chest congestion. So then I'm really going to back them off and tell them to rest for a couple of days. And, you know, you think about if you're investing those two or three rest days, you're hoping that to be better in about four or five days from now. So you're going to be able to get back to workout sooner versus if you were just to run through those days and um, really trying to not take any time off, you may be delaying, you know, the amount of time that your body's going to um, have to fight off that illness. So for me, it's really about, um, especially when you have a race coming up, helping athletes identify, like, should I do the race? Well, let's see, what, what symptoms are you feeling? Um, and if it always comes down to the energy level and that's not quite there, then you're always going to err on the side of caution and usually have them rest. 
Right. I love how you talked about different factors that are involved. And, you know, there's a little bit of gray area there. And I think a lot of it just boils down to stress management. Um, We never want to overload someone with stress, you know, and every situation is going to look different. So we don't have like a clear guideline like you do this, you do that. It's just more of a case by case situation and figuring out like how much stress is your body under and is this run going to be beneficial to you or not? Um, And when it comes to the answer of like, I'm not sure or I don't know. Um, that's kind of where we, we say, all right, well then maybe, um, we should consider backing off, um, doing less. I would always would rather err on the side of caution than have someone go out, um, do a run and then they're, you know, more sick for an entire week versus you take one day off, you, you feel fine the next day and then you're able to continue with, um, your training. So I'm all about erring the side of caution and, with the stress management comes like risk versus reward. It's always boiling down to is, would it be worth the risk that I'm going out there and doing this run? Is it worth, you know, getting sick for a week? Is it worth, um, potentially having to take longer time off? And these are questions that, um, athletes have to face, you know, as you get in the sport and things come up and things come your way, you're going to have to make these decisions and working with a coach I think can help you. But ultimately a lot of it boils down to no one knows how you are feeling. Um, and really just taking control and initiative and being responsible for yourself and knowing, um, just trusting your body, like knowing that taking a day off isn't going to be the end of the world. Taking a week off is not going to be the end of the world and being okay with those things. And I think we did talk a little bit about the benefits of, of course, consistency is good and, you know, running every day is good. And I think those are definitely like benefits, right? Like we want people to be consistent. We don't want people to have to take time off when it's not necessary, but sometimes it is necessary. Um, when do you determine for an athlete, like at what point does for mileage, for example, cause we talk about consistency, obviously more miles is, is somewhat better, but where do we become like tiptoeing the line of it's too much or law of diminishing returns? Like you're not seeing any more benefit here. It's causing you to get sick. Have you ever seen someone maybe like overtraining and then it weakens their immune system? Um, what are things to look for and how do we find out? Yeah, that's a good question full of lots of factors. I would say it starts with, you know, looking at what they've done in the last, I don't know, four to six months. Um, how consistent have they been? What was their peak mileage? What was their average number of mileage? Um, are you incorporating workouts in addition to that? mileage, like how intense are the miles, um, as well as what other stress factors are going on in their life. Um, are they able to kind of manage, you know, their daily demands with work? Um, you know, are they, I mean, I don't know. There's so many factors. And I, th- I think about sleep as being the, the most important, like what are they getting for sleep? Because, um, you know, I always tell my athletes, you want to average eight hours of sleep every night. And then on top of the eight hours on, on days where we're actually getting our workouts in or long runs, you're probably going to want to shoot for nine or 10 to make sure that your body's having that extra time to repair and restore. Um, and if you feel like you're about to get sick, I think it's especially important to strive for that 10 hours of sleep. So um, I don't know if there's like a magic number of miles that, that you can handle before you you know tip the line into consistently being sick. I think it's more just about... Um, you know, looking at all those past factors and thinking about what, it, you know, what, what can you handle? Right. That's a really good answer. And again, it boils down to, there's no like blueprint. There's no set in stone laws. Like 
you know, if you're 40 years old and you have a 330 marathon PR, this is how many miles you should run. There's nothing like that out there. So again, this is kind of subjective case by case, um, looking at how much stress you have, looking at your past history. These are all going to be signs that kind of lead you to an answer. Um, and I think it's really important to look at what, what happened to for you when you ran that many miles. What What's the case? Are there patterns? Looking to see if there's patterns because usually when, you know, you get sick or you're getting injured and you can look back at your running history, you look back, you know, four, six months, what were you doing leading up to that point? Um, are there any common themes? I know for me, it's like, at this point in my life, I feel when I hit, when I approach like 55 to 60 miles a week, I, I'm fine for a month or two or three. I might feel great. Um, but eventually it's like that's where I'm going to either – I get sick. I, I will get sick if I run that many miles regardless. It'll be like two months in, I get sick. Um, and that's that's your body signaling something to you and I, you know it's something that I've had to like listen to over the years and I know I'm someone who has the tendency to want to consistently show up and consistently put in the work and have the tendency to want to do more and all those sort of things and just knowing that about myself I think is really important and knowing what kind of tendencies you fall under because I know some athletes they're more cautious by nature um, and it's not an issue for them they say oh I woke up my throat's kind of sore I'm just not going to run today whereas me I'm like oh my throat's kind of sore like let's see how much I can get away with I think some people are more you know risky with their own their own health or they they want to really push that envelope and just like just see how far they can go whereas people like you um they're more cautious and maybe like more mature maybe it's a maturity thing um how can you typically tell whether or not someone's like going to push the envelope do you think um (laughs) I think it's it's probably about the experience. So, you know, thinking back to times that, were, that you've gotten sick, what were you doing? Um, were you cautious or did you push through? And just kind of learning from those trial and error experiences. You know, for me, I think back to last week where I kind of had a minor cold, but I, I didn't really rest. I, I, and I kind of watched the symptoms from day to day to monitor to make sure like it wasn't getting worse. And I made sure I was getting plenty of sleep you know, plenty of nutrients and, and good fuel. So um, if it would have got to the point where I woke up and the symptoms were worse, I would have taken that rest day. But it kind of just stayed consistent and I was able to fight the cold. So for me, I've just learned over time to kind of really monitor day in and day out. Um, and I think that for people, they just need to be really in tune with their body um, and kind of monitoring what, you know, what can they get away with in terms of, you know, handling an average number of miles without overdoing it. Right. Yeah. I feel this, we've talked a lot about getting sick and your immune system and everything. Um, in regards to that, just how beneficial it is to find the mileage sweet spot and to manage your stress level. But I also think there's some equal importance there thinking about, you know, injuries, because that's a huge topic. Um, I know a lot of runners, they get injured and sometimes they're like, they're confused as to like why it happened or how it happened and all those sort of things. Um, and sometimes when it's like a repeat injury, I can look back and see kind of red flags or things that have happened. Or if someone's injury prone and they tell me that, it's like, I want to see what you've been doing. Because more than likely, if you go, you know, six months back and you look, what have, what did you do the six months leading up to that injury? There are going to be patterns. And I think, you know, as someone who's worked with a lot of athletes and seen these patterns before, 
um, it's really obvious to me. And for other people, it may not be obvious because injuries don't just usually they don't just like, boom, you wake up one day, you're injured. Injuries can be something that happen over time because stress just builds and it builds and it builds and it builds. Um, and I know sometimes, you know, we can even talk about other things that happen in someone's life when the stress just builds and builds and builds. It's not like one day someone just snaps because, you know, oh, like I had one stressful event. It's like sometimes people, they, they, they hold all of this like stress within themselves. They're not, you know, doing things to manage it. And then one day, like one teeny little incident that wasn't even that stressful just causes them to like freak out, right? Like we always see people who just have that chronic stress and it's like they have reach a tipping point. And the same thing happens with a lot of runners who are injured. It's like, you know, they pushed the envelope, their body was fine. They pushed it, body was fine, pushed it. But the body was like holding on to all this, you know, stress and the muscles were never able to fully recover and like you're pushing through it and your body can handle a lot and it can handle it for an extended period of time but eventually you know six 12 months down the road you will hit a point where your body is like I'm done like you you put me through too much you're continuing to do this um, and it will reach a breaking point more than likely if you're pushing it too much and you're not recovering enough Um, and so when you look back I mean, how far, if you were talking about someone who's getting injured, like how far back would you look as a coach to, to try to find those patterns um, in an athlete's training log? That's a good question. I think it, it'll depend on the athlete and their history of injuries, but you might just start with the most recent few weeks because if something changed with their training, like you started doing track workouts or you started incorporating hills or, you know, you started doing speed and power. So you're going to look for what stimulants have been added um, recently, but then you may also explore, you know, you may look back a few months as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Two patterns that I I want people to be aware of, because I think that this, this happens a lot for people and especially my college athletes is. um, So the first one would be someone gets sick, right? And they, um, they take a few days off and then as soon as the sickness is gone, they feel normal again, they jump right back mm-hmm. into training. And that can really, I think, um, put you on the path to an injury, especially if we don't progressively overload our system and our, our muscles as we come back. And we just jump back and follow the same training plan. You know, we see it with adults too, with marathon training where they, maybe they get a really bad case of the flu and they have to take like four or five days off. And then when they come back, they, they don't modify or adjust their plan. They just come right back to training and they start doing workouts again and the mileage is high. Well, then after about two or three weeks, their body maybe is starting to feel really achy or something comes on and that can lead to an injury. So we really want to make sure we adjust training accordingly and progress back slowly and build so that we don't end up with an injury. And then the alternative sometimes happens too, where we come off an injury and people want to just jump right back into the training because they're running pain-free and it's exciting. Well, then two or three weeks later, they end up sick because their body's immune system has been compromised by adding all this extra you know, minutes of activity that they weren't used to getting. Um, and maybe they weren't getting the extra sleep that they needed to go along with it or the extra calories. And so their immune system's a little bit weakened and so that, then they end up sick. So kind of two patterns that I think are very common. They go hand in hand. Is just making sure anytime we come in, we're coming back from a break from running. We just want to make sure that that first week to ten days is is basically a slight progressive overload principle, and especially with when we talk about increasing mileage and workouts at the same time. 
Yeah, that was kind of a golden nugget there. A lot of people who get injured or sick, it can be like a reoccurring thing. It's like if you're not recovering 100% and easing back in appropriately, sometimes that in itself can cause an injury and then that leads to frustration and it's just a whole whole different ball game. So coming back from these setbacks, super important. Um, and I know, like you mentioned, sometimes it's super easy and you just look back a couple weeks, you're like, yeah, that's why you're injured. You did too much too fast. You did, you know, all this stimulus, blah, blah. And it's super easy to pinpoint and you don't have to look that far back. Other times I get people that come to me and they're like, I don't know why I'm getting injured. Here's what I've been doing for my training. And it's not obvious. Like you look at it and you're like, yeah, you, you take your easy days easy. You're not doing too many miles at all. Um, you know, it, it seems conservative, but one thing that I look for specifically on those people where it's not obvious is when was the last time you took an off season? When was the last time you took a down week? Because those two things in conjunction are key to success. And if you're a serial marathon or serial half marathoner, if you're someone who's out there running 30, 40, 50 miles a week, every week, all the time, uh, your body needs a break, even though that's like kind of your normal and that's like your body's super used to it. You can't do it all the time. It's like taking a vacation, right? Like, yeah, you can go to work every single day, you know, nine to five every day, but there's a reason that you're given vacation time. There's a reason you're given holidays and weekends. It's because if you worked every single solitary day, like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday with no break and you just worked every day, you would reach a point of like burnout, stagnation. I mean, there's reasons for rest periods and in running, it's also very important. So sometimes people, they're afraid to like let go of that routine. They don't want to take that week off after their half marathon or their marathon training cycle. Um, And then they just become stuck in this thinking that, well, I've peaked or, well, I'm just injury prone when in reality, it's like, just take a week off, take two weeks off, start treating yourself um, more seriously and saying, you know, I need an off season two or I need a rest day two. Um, Especially these cutback weeks are so critical. I see this mistake so often. Um, And I guess clarifying, like, what is a cutback week, you know? So what do you think a cutback week is, Jason? Yeah, I'd say cutback week, I mean, it would be defined as about a 15 to 25% drop in the mileage. Um, so basically, you know, for most of you, if, you, if you're running, let's say 40 miles a week, your cutback week should be at least 30, if not even into the 20s. Um, typically, you're going to uh, add in a rest day. So right there, that that is going to be easy for you to hit your cutback because you're probably getting five to seven less miles on that rest day. And then you know, maybe if you're used to doing six miles on an easy day, you just, you lower it to four or five. So, um, and then possibly one less workout as well, or your, your workout's just going to be a little bit easier. So less intense. So that's kind of what I would do when I'm structuring a plan is I make sure that, you know, if, if we're not going to pencil in another rest day, we're going to at least reduce the amount of mileage for easy days and for the workout or the long run. Right. Yeah. Cutback weeks are super important. And I try to give my athletes cutback week, you know, over three to to four weeks, just depending on, you know, a lot of factors. But for me, when I, when I view that cutback week, I just look at before I, you know, 
plan it in. I look at what did they do, you know, the four or three weeks leading up to this cutback week. Because chances are those were heavy weeks, you know, either mileage building, intense workouts, long run building. Um, So I just think of, all right, like how much stress. I look at all the stress that I'm asking their body to take in. And then when I write the cutback week, I'm like, all right, we got to make sure they're really like deloading all of that stress because if we're just not fully recovering from all the stress I just asked them to do, then there's no, like, I can't continue writing the plan. I need to make sure that the stress will be pretty much like counterbalanced in that week, you know, like make sure they're feeling good because the last thing you want is like stress and stress and stress. And like, then no one's improving. Um, the key here is, you know, the whole formula stress plus rest equals growth. And of course, we're taking our easy days easy and recovering in between workouts. But you also have to think about this balance of stress on a macro level. And I think a lot of times people forget that, you know, on the micro level, it's like, yeah, you recover from your workouts with an easy run. Everyone kind of gets that principle. But a lot of times people forget, you know, if you have like four really intense weeks of training where you're increasing the stress stimuli, you need to counterbalance that by giving like one week or five days or seven, 10 days of no stimuli reduction of stress because on a macro level, you have to also recover. And that's why, you know, we taper before a race. Um, Taper is a very, you know, extreme um, cut back, you know, in mileage and all that stuff so your body can fully recover. But it's important to have other weeks within a training block where you are allowing your body to kind of deload some of that stress. Um, So what I do for a cut back week would be Maybe no workouts, just depending on how intense the uh, the build was. We might do zero workouts. We might do a one shorter workout. Um, and then we're also going to look at that long run as a chance to cut it back. Because if I'm asking you to build your long run, you know, from 14, 15, 14 miles, and then 16, and then 18, we're going to have a week where you're doing like 10 to 12, just because we you can't be dipping into the glycogen storages. You can't be pushing your body and testing the limits every single weekend. We want to keep something on the schedule, you know, like something longer, mm-hmm. but there's just no need to continue to add that stress. We want to think what is going to be the perfect amount so that it, it, it allows you to recover and then be ready because then the next week following a cutback week, you're jumping right back into what you were doing. Um, so you want to have enough where your body is not like freaking out, like, whoa, we, we got rid of so much stress, but you don't want to have so much stress where your body is like going to break down. So it's finding that balance. And I think any plan that doesn't incorporate cutback weeks um, is really setting athletes up for failure just because you can't keep pushing the envelope and keep adding stress on top of stress. And one of the biggest key takeaway points from any of the RRCA courses that our coaches will go through is, you know, you have to have at least one week in a marathon training cycle every single month where you're running less than 90 minutes. And I mean, they hit that point home like so much. Like there wasn't really a way to fail. (laughs) Like the class or like the whole, what did they, they made us like write a training plan, right? And the only way that, you know, you would get negative feedback is if you forgot that cutback week. So it's super important. Very often it is neglected by people who don't, you know, know the importance of it or, you know, sometimes people just straight up forget because you're building a cycle and you, you forget these things, but it's the number one thing that we, um, 
that we do and it's super important uh for anyone to incorporate even if you know you're you're just training for a 5k 10k half um very important to incorporate um and then jason like sometimes when you get to your cutback week you know as an athlete yourself sometimes you even feel like you need it yeah i think you know, it, you may, depending on what you did and if how many weeks it had been since your last cutback week, you may feel refreshed. You may even feel a little sluggish. It's kind of like when you hear about people talking about their taper period, how they, they, the legs feel heavy and all that. Well, it's because their, their body's finally getting a chance to kind of restore. You know, you were used to probably, um, really building up mileage those last three weeks. You know, those three weeks leading into peak week are usually the hardest for marathoners. So, um, I think depending on the volume and the intensity, you know, you're, you're going to feel different effects during your cutback week, depending on where it is, you know, and, and with regards to leading up to your A race. But um, I think it's normal to feel different and to, um, you know, for me, I always feel pretty good. And so that way I'm recharged and ready to go to start to add and build uh, towards my next upward push. Right. A lot of times when I get to the cutback week, personally as an athlete, how I feel is not ready to take one because... There's a lot of like adrenaline, cortisol, all of these like hormones like through your body when you're when you're doing very intense workouts um, regularly, and it can get you kind of feeling wired, right? Like you feel like oh, I could keep going, keep going, keep going, and and it's it's your the hormones in your body that are causing that. And adrenaline is great for you know race day workouts, all that stuff. But if you're like constantly riding on adrenaline, um, you'll get to a point where your body's gonna crash. And so you want to make sure you're allowing time for those recovery periods for your body to you know not be running on adrenaline or whatever. Um, it, it's super important. And for me personally, when I get to cutback week, I I is normally when I'm feeling good. Um, and that's okay. I think that's really important to understand that when you get to a cutback week or a recovery or a rest period, you might not feel like you have to rest. You might feel like maybe it's not the best option, but it don't judge it based on your feelings. Cause there's still like all the physiology that's at play here. I know a lot of people can relate to sometimes you finish a marathon you you don't want to take the week off you you feel antsy it's it's a change in your schedule it's a change in the routine maybe you don't feel like it but it doesn't take away from the value and how important it is to do that rest um so i think that's just a really important thing to address that even if you don't feel like it you still gotta rest um and how does like the human physiology part work when it comes to rest and recovery? Because I know sometimes people, because they don't feel like they have to rest or because they don't enjoy resting, they think like the rules don't apply to them or they think their body is different. Are all human bodies um, like built the same way? Like do all humans need rest? And how, how are some people just different and falling in that spectrum or are they even different? Yeah, I mean, I think the definition of rest is different for... For everyone, it really depends on what you've trained your body to be able to handle over time. And when you look at the volume and you look at the the intensity, and you know, for some people, a rest day is you know, I, I'm a preacher that everyone should incorporate an occasional complete rest day. I think it's good, especially after extremely hard sessions or after you're coming out of a like a marathon or half marathon training cycle. You know, a number of complete rest days I would say are great. Um, you know, if you're in the middle of kind of a long 
build up towards a training cycle. I think an occasional complete rest day is good, but for some people, they, they like to do a different form of, of rest day, which might incorporate cross training. They may do biking or elliptical. And so I think that, um, you know, by allowing that break from the repetitive movements of running, I think that allows your muscles to really get a chance to kind of repair and restore and to, um, you know, become basically feel well rested so that you can put your body through an, an additional adaptation stimulus as you start to incorporate more, more miles or harder workouts or longer workouts or whatever it is. Um, you know, I've been reading the book recently, uh, Inside the Marathon, about uh, Ben Rosario's Northern Arizona elite team, and a couple of his athletes. You know, every now and then they'll they'll take a complete rest day, even in the middle of their big build up to the New York City Marathon, which is what the book is about. Um, Scott Fobbles, he's kind of the main person that's talked about in the book. He, you know, he'll take a complete rest day. Um, he'll give them the option to either take a rest day or run e- four easy miles, especially the day after one of his. Um, races basically it during the training cycle i think it was probably a seven mile race and then he also did a half in the middle of the training cycle leading up to new york city so always giving them the option at least to take the full rest day or to go out and do four miles and i know as we write plans for people we may do an optional recovery versus optional cross training day so i think it's good to have um sometimes your athletes may take advantage of it other times they may feel like you don't quite need it so they may do the you know the cross training Right. Yeah. I think it's really good to add and important to know, you know, even elites take rest day, you know, people who are, this is their profession, like they don't have a regular job that their job is to run. They still are taking the rest day and that just drives home the importance of, you know, rest is important for everyone. Uh, No one is immune from not having to rest. You know, these people that you got to sleep a lot of hours every single day. And that's part of the rest. There's so many factors that go into the rest and recovery portion. And so it's really important not to neglect, you know, things like rest days, things like recovery periods, off seasons, all that stuff. And I know we have a separate podcast where we talk all about the off season. Um, but this kind of goes back to that point of we have to have those micro level, um, times where we're recovering. So I guess another question that's super popular for people who, you know, take that weekly rest day, which most people should be doing that. Um, when is like the best time to put those rest days in your opinion? Um, yeah. When's the best time to do rest days? I think if you're doing a marathon training cycle, uh, you know, and you're doing that weekly long run and if it's especially over 90 minutes, I think the best day would be the day after your long run just to really allow your body chance to repair and restore. If you're training for something shorter, um, you know, and you're not doing necessarily a, a long, long run, you could, you could probably take it maybe the day before a really hard workout or the day after a really hard workout. So I know some people, they really like to rest leading up to like a half marathon and other people like to do a three mile shakeout, right? So it really depends on kind of what your body's used to in training as well. If you're used to taking that day off before a hard session, or you'd prefer to save it for the day after your hard session. Right. Yeah. I think, you know, it it really just depends. There's no like magic day where you need to have, you know, your rest day be on X day. Um, There's certainly preferences that are out there. And one thing that I like to say for my athletes is look at the day during the week where you have like the most stress. So like, let's say you have on Mondays, for example, you're in grad school and like you're, you're going to a class from six to 10 PM, maybe consider 
making your rest day that Tuesday so that you can sleep in longer and that you can, you know, absorb some of that stress, you know, and be able to recover on that day. Um, There might be other days where like you're forced to solo parent the whole day, like maybe on a weekend. Um, Maybe that's also a good option for a rest day um, just so that, you know, you're not adding stress on top of stress and it's all about stress management. So, Some people might do their rest day the day after a long run for specific reasons. Other people, they might choose to do their rest day in the middle of the week um, just because their job's very stressful and they want to have like an extra day where they can sleep in or whatever. Um, And there's really like no right or wrong there. It's just all about personal preference and also, you know, just within your plan where it makes the most sense because you can definitely run the day after a long run. Um, Not my favorite thing to do, but you know, there's, there's options for rest and there's options for a recovery run there also. Um, so one thing, you know, for people who are on their run streaks or they don't like to take a rest day, what is something that you would share with them? Or what were some things that you used to say to me when I had a run streak? Cause for those of you listening who don't know, um, I've had more than one run streak that ran, I, I think I've had three run streaks that were over like 200 some days. Uh, one, my longest one was like 550 days. This was in my early twenties. Um, you know, when you think the rules don't apply to you or that you're invincible, I had that, you know, it was a year and a half, almost two years for the run streak there. Um, what is something that you would say to someone, you know, like me at that time who is struggling to take a rest day or they just don't see the value or it's difficult for them? put me on a spot here. I think for, for that, it's going to depend on, you know, how long you've been on the street. Cause the longer it continues, the harder it is, right? Like you feel like you have to continue it, but I guess I would just challenge you to ask yourself, like what, you know, what really is your, your purpose and your goal? Like, you know, you said you want to run this time. Well, are all of your, your behaviors, your training patterns, are all of that in line with you reaching that that goal and and hitting your potential. Um, or this is something we could try to add to help you, you know, even get closer. So just helping you understand, like, you know, a rest day is not going to set you back. Um, it's actually going to help propel you forward. Um, and you know, the more rest days that you can incorporate the better because it allows your body a chance to recharge. And so, um, you know, you're not going to lose any fitness. In fact, you'd have to take probably up to two weeks off consistently of no running before you start to see a decline in your fitness. Um, and I know this firsthand, I took a full week off when ran a 5k and ran probably surprised myself and what I could do. And, you know, obviously you're not gaining fitness during that time where you're taking time off, but you're definitely not losing it for probably at least two weeks. So I think just helping you understand like a day here and there is really going to help you not hurt you. Right. Yeah. And I think a lot of people who have their own streaks or who struggle to take rest days, I think they understand that, you know, a day off isn't going to hurt them. They like to hear in the reassurance that it's not. But I think the biggest thing is they think like taking their rest day is almost like saying they're not committed or they don't view it as an important part of training. They view it as, oh, like, I'm, I'm slacking or it's a way to like criticize themselves. Yeah. So I think for me, like when I wanted to end my run streak, but I felt like I couldn't, it was like, I felt so obligated to be running or, you know, you, you put these unnecessary pressures on yourself and for a run streak in general, I think that's a whole different ball game because 
when you get to day, you know, 300, it's like you've ran through so many excuses. Like there's really no valid excuse at that point that you say to yourself, you're like, well, this one day it was really hard and I was a lot more tired than today. And here I am today and I don't want to run. And, you know, it, it, it can get really weird, you know, mentally. And I think, you know, coach Sam, he had a run streak. He said he ran like 365 days in a row. And he said, you know, you get to a point where like, there's no excuse anymore. And, you just have to force yourself and say, okay, well, it's been, you know, for him, it was, okay, it's the end of the year, 365, I'm done. Otherwise, there becomes a point where it's like, there's no justification for you. So I think it's really important to not get caught up in those run streaks or too obsessed with them. um, Because it can kind of lead to like those obsession, not like an unhealthy obsession, but really, that's kind of what it does boil down to. And I think a lot of people who have run streaks, at least the people I've talked to um, and myself included, you get to point where like you don't even want to be doing it anymore, but then you feel obligated. So you don't want to like have that unhealthy relationship with running. And, you know, if you're someone who's struggling to take rest days, I encourage you to like make it fun. You know, like when I take a rest day, I'm like, okay, how can I focus on making this feel productive, even though I'm not running? So I'll be like, okay, maybe I'm going to get a massage. I'm going to, you know, meal prep for the week. There's other things that you can do within the realm of, you know, fitness, nutrition, all that stuff that is not running. You know, maybe you're going to do yoga that day. Maybe you're going to, you know, clean your house. There's other things you can do to distract your mind and still be productive and Mm -hmm. work towards your goals in, in different ways. And you don't necessarily have to be running to be working towards their goal towards your goals you know you can be working towards your goals when you sleep you are working towards your goals when you get a massage these are all things that are strategically planned so that you can you know reach your potential and so I think just as a culture and as a running group in general just spreading the awareness of how important rest and recovery is and remembering that that's an equal part of the equation. Um, so do you have any like last words for our audience about rest and recovery, Jason? Um, I just think that, you know, having a balanced approach is going to be best. So not always like, like you said, being so worried about it and having that unhealthy relationship with running. Um, the more you can kind of schedule those things, those rest days, I think when the time comes, you'll be more likely to take, take them. And, um, you know, unless you're the type of person that just wants to be, spur the moment, but I know a lot of people that, you know, they're, they're not going to be that way. They need to see, they need to plan ahead so that they can kind of have other things in place to to take their mind off on that certain day. So, um, you know, if you're on a streak, I think just having the day that end date on your calendar, like, okay, I'm going to try it for a hundred days or for a one month period or for the one year. And then I'm going to be done with it so that it doesn't become, um, you know, the most important part of my, my daily routine. So, because it's not, I mean, running should be, it should be a priority. Obviously it should be important, but I don't think it should ever be the most important thing and the thing that defines who we are. So I think it's good to, to keep, keep it, you know, keep a balanced approach, um, and to have other things to, um, help, help with your overall uh, health and wellness, like you mentioned. So. Right. And another thing to know, it's all about consistency. And if you don't give your body that planned rest, um, it's going to find a way to 
take the rest when it needs it. And so we want to make sure you're being consistent and that's going to be the biggest thing that actually like leads to long-term success. So a lot of people, you know, they burn out after one, two, three, four, five, six, seven years, and you're never actually going to reach your potential if you're only running for, you know, five or five years. Um, it's better to have the longevity of the sport and, you know, keep showing up because it's a lifestyle thing, right? Like running is, it's great for your health, but if you only do it for five, five years and then you, you just become inactive after that, then, you know, that's not good. We want people to have, you know, a lifelong healthy relationship with running so that they're able to have the benefits over their course of their entire lifetime, not just a short period of time. Um, and again, I think that's just, you know, an important tidbit to add there at the end. Um, so if anyone has any questions or you want to work with us or you want to learn how you can have a cutback week in your training or how, how many days a week you should be resting, um, we would love to hear from you and just take a look at what you've been doing and then maybe make suggestions for what we think would be um, beneficial for you to help you kind of reach that next level and reach your potential. Um, and if you ever want to try us out for a free seven-day trial, you can just visit our website at www.runforprs.co. And we can get you started connected with the coach right away on a free seven-day trial. So until next time, thanks for tuning in.